Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, America. Welcome. I hope you're having a great day. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to have you. As always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Uh, I I, I want to begin just out of the gate, full disclosure, I'm, I'm kind of over talking about guns and gun control and in large part because we're not going to have resolution on it. It is a hyper emotional subject uh, that uh, people even on the right, uh, contrary to what the media would have you believe, are deeply divided on how to proceed. There is, however, uh, some relevant news to make a larger point that we need to develop or, or get to at least. I want to begin with a massive story in the Washington Post today. Uh, the headline is well, actually, I take that back. I'm just now I'm I'm just now seeing it's from March 27th, uh, and I only found the day my wife saw it. I had missed it; she saw it, uh, and and this is. Let me just read you the beginning of this. It is revered as a modern-day musket. It is reviled as a tool for mass killers. The AR-15 wasn't supposed to be a bestseller. The rugged, powerful weapon was originally designed as a soldier's rifle in the late 1950s. An outstanding weapon with phenomenal lethality, an internal Pentagon report raved. It soon became standard issue for U.S. troops in the Vietnam War, where the weapon earned the new name, the M-16. Y'all, that's a complete distortion of the truth. The Pointer Institute, which is not a right-leaning organization, it's actually a left-leaning, fact-checking media organization respected by the Washington Post, actually has the truth from last year. This is, and I've read this to you. The AR-15 has a storied history. Over the years, it has evolved to become one of the most popular firearms in the United States. First developed in the 1950s for civilian use, the AR-15 was named after its manufacturer, Armalite. The letters AR do not stand for assault rifle or automatic rifle. Armalite sold the rifle's design to another firearms manufacturer, Colt, in 1959. Four years later, the U.S. Army selected Colt to manufacture a standard-issue model of the AR-15, dubbed the M-16, for soldiers in the Vietnam War. So you have the Pointer Institute last year get it right. The AR-15, the AR stands for Armalite. As the New York Times reported in 2014, the phrase assault rifle didn't even exist until the early 1990s when congressional Democrats needed a term for their assault weapons ban, and they came up with the assault rifle uh, using AR as the initials. And so now so many people think that AR-15 stands for assault rifle when it stands for Armalite. And it was done by a push from gun control lobbyists in the 1990s. Now you have the Washington Post today making basic factual errors about the AR-15, claiming it started in the military and then went to civilian use when actually it was always a civilian rifle that the military modified, made automatic, and and changed because of jamming issues for the military. The AR-15 was a civilian weapon, but the Washington Post today 
believes or wants you to believe that's not the case. Now, that's the point here about guns, but there's the larger point here, and it goes to Marty Gell-Mann. Uh, Michael Crichton had a friend, uh, Marty Gell-Mann, who was a particle physicist. And he told the story about Gell-Mann reading the newspaper and read something about uh, a new universe discovery related to physics, and the reporter got it all wrong, reversed the cause and effect, made everything wrong. And Gelman was rather deeply disturbed that uh, this was in his wheelhouse. He knew the subject, and the reporter got everything wrong. Michael Crichton said so often reporters do this, and they reverse the cause and effect, that reporters, uh, he calls it the, the uh, wet ground causes rain theory of reporting. You see wet ground and it's raining. The wet ground must have caused the rain. The reporters get the cause and effect in reverse. And he said the point was that Gelman would read this story about this discovery in physics that was, was world-changing, realized the reporter got it all wrong, but then flipped to the next story about the Israeli-Palestinian crisis and presumed that the reporters got that right after realizing they got everything in physics wrong. How would the reporter who's not an expert in physics screw up and the reporter who's not an expert in Israeli-Palestinian affairs get it right? Uh, Michael Crichton dubbed it the Gell-Mann amnesia effect. You read and consume the news, and those things about you which you are an expert, you read and realize the reporters got it wrong, but about the things you don't, you're not an expert, you trust them to get it right. And it screws up news reporting on everything. Thus, we have the Washington Post get very basic facts about guns in America wrong. You will very often hear reporters talk about, for handguns, the clips. They mean the magazines. And they say the clips. They get the basic terminology wrong. The problem the media has when it comes to guns in this country at this point is so many Americans have become gun owners for self-protection, they are less likely to buy in to the bad reporting. But not every American has an AR-15. You're far more likely to have a handgun. So a lot of Americans will read the Washington Post story and they will embrace it. And the point of the Washington Post story is to claim that the AR-15 was never meant for civilians and the people behind the AR-15 in the military are horrified that it has gotten into the hands of civilians and they frame an entire multi-thousand word story about the history of the AR and how it was never meant for civilians. They've got four reporters writing the story and they fail at the very basic fact that the AR was a civilian rifle before it ever went into the military. And that, my friends, is a fact. It's not my truth. It is the actual truth. I use that as the jumping off point for something else. This is a professor at West Virginia University. For those of you who don't know me, I am a medical school professor specializing in molecular biology. I also have an extensive background in uh, gender studies and queer studies. The idea of sex as an immutable characteristic is a turf talking point. It's been around for decades and it's been weaponized against trans women in particular in the past. Turf, trans exclusionary radical feminist. In other words, an actual feminist. Of, oh, but you will always be male and therefore invading female spaces. Sex as it pertains to humans is a construct. It is a set of 
spectrum variables with bimodal distribution that we draw an arbitrary set of boundaries around into two broad categories, but they are not immutable characteristics. Almost all of those characteristics can be changed through hormones or through surgery. This is literally an argument that gets trans women killed and is the thing that people are using to tell us that we can't change our birth certificates, right? Stop. That's a professor of molecular biology at West Virginia University saying something that is not true. And you don't have to believe me. Believe nature itself. There are male and females of every species of living organism. Now, there are some where that can change their sex or have sex traits. But uh, among plants, you have male and female. You, you have in animals, male and female. You have within the primates uh, that humans exist, only male and female, and sex is immutable. If you listen to that professor, the professor is largely acknowledging sex is immutable when the professor says that you can change your sex through surgery and hormone therapy. That means it's immutable and you're having to force the change by cutting off or adding to, that means it's immutable. It's unchanging unless a fo external force is applied to it. So it can't be naturally changed. And yet the media itself is embracing the trans agenda so much so that when six people were killed in Nashville, the media spent more time covering the trans community and victimized. And then there's this from another trans activist. Y'all really want to try to say there aren't trans kids? Let me tell you what there aren't. There aren't cis kids. Okay, you telling your child, oh, you're a boy, you're a girl. This is a child. This is a free spirit that has not learned any of that. And so you force it on them. So cisness is the wound. Cisness is the delusion. Cisness is the lie. Um, cisness. Uh, so the idea of cis was taken from chemistry. They were co-opting uh, Latin prefixes to try to build a vocabulary for transgenderism. Uh, again, not true, but the media has decided to embrace that agenda. All I'm trying to do in tying these stories together because they're directly related is it's very hard these days among a lot of mainstream press outlets and media outlets to get the actual truth because they're more interested in shaping narratives and the narratives being shaped are from the cultural progressive outlets of America. So you have uh, a professor, a biology professor who rejects the idea of biological sex, uh, which is contrary to all science. You have an activist saying that kids are not actually born male or female, and it's essentially parental abuse to treat children as either a boy or a girl until they figured it out for themselves, which simply is not true. You have the Washington Post running a story today claiming that the AR-15 was designed for the military, never expected to be in civilian hands, when it's actually exactly the opposite. It actually was designed as a civilian rifle, and the military later embraced it. 
All I'm doing is telling you the actual truth. These people have decided they have their own truth. And the problem is that so many Americans get their news from these sorts of sources that have embraced agenda setting, not who, what, where, when, why, and how, but how can we tell our side of the story and leave out the facts that are inconvenient to our telling of the story? That's not truth. That's shaping fables, trying to make those fables reality. It is agenda-driven. I spend most of my day these days just trying to correct the lies in the mainstream media. And by the way, it happens in conservative outlets as well. Fox News has started using uh, people's preferred pronouns instead of actual pronouns. It happens too much because we're in a postmodern society, which itself is destabilizing. In a postmodern society, the actual truth no longer matters. Your truth and my truth are the things that are supposed to matter. And when your truth and my truth conflict with each other, whoever is the dominant um, progressive voice wins. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to stand on the actual truth. And more and more, the media refuses to tell us the actual truth when they can advance a progressive agenda. It drives me crazy. I know it drives a lot of you crazy, but multiple stories from multiple angles today just to point out how agenda-driven so much of the mainstream media is these days. And, you know, you get this even down to the local level. Like, you know, here in Atlanta, we've got the the terrorists, Antifa terrorists, who are uh, attacking police. They've tried to kill firemen. They've tried to kill police officers. They've uh, invaded churches. They firebombed youth facilities. And so much of even the local media in Atlanta refers to these people as protesters even though they're actually terrorists, engaged in terroristic activity, being charged with terrorism, and yet you wouldn't know that from so much of the local press because the press overwhelmingly at this point leans to the left, is sympathetic to the left, and will not tell you the actual truth. They only want to tell you a narrative. So you got to come to places like this to get the actual truth. And by the way, I try very hard to push back on my own side and its truths when they're in opposition to the real truth and get a lot of hell from the right as well. But it's got to be done if we want to actually know what is actually happening in the world. And a lot of what is happening right now is so different from what you hear from places like the Washington Post. I keep having friends tell me they realized I was right. Every time you wash sheets from Bowling Branch, they get softer and softer. They're the most luxurious sheets. The highest quality, incredible craftsmanship with just unmatched softness, 100% traceable organic cotton. It gets softer with every wash. I tell you guys that it's true. I can tell you it's a big difference, and I have bought different pairs of sheets to try to find some best. I keep coming back to my Bowling Branch sheets. They're incredible. They're buttery to the touch, super breathable. They're perfect for cooler weather and warmer weather. Why the drape? You actually feel like you've got something of substance on you so you can snuggle in, but you don't get overwhelmingly hot during the during the summertime, and it's just the perfect weight under the blanket as well during the wintertime. I love Bowling Branch sheets. They're so luxurious. They're loved by four U.S. presidents. Got over 10,000 raving reviews. Right now, get 15% off your first order when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Anthony, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. 
Yes, good, good afternoon. I was hesitant in calling because I didn't want to stir the pot on this particular issue, but since you've opened the door, I'll Oh, stir the pot. <laughs> There's a phenomenon that is going on, and I believe that it needs to be made aware of before it takes root in the mind and, and the culture. I recently seen here in Atlanta there was a billboard. I can't remember where it was, but the billboard, I think it was off of I-20. The billboard said, Stop Trans Violence. It didn't give any, any instance or any explanation, just stop trans violence. And I believe what they're trying to do and what they're trying to implant in the minds of society is that there are roaming groups of, and, you know, because that guy did in Chicago, that actor did in Chicago, like roaming groups of white men that are going around beating up blacks and beating up, you know, trans people and so forth, all right? And I read an article recently that said that, most of the trans violence, most of the violence that happens against trans people, intimate partner violence, that's the way they label it. But what I believe is what actually is going on is these people, because they, the surgeons are very good and very skilled, are going into you know, social settings and they are deceiving people who, who otherwise think that they, you know, what, they're, you know, what they're getting is what they want. And then they get into an intimate setting and they find out that that person isn't who they say they were. And when you're dealing with young, virile men who are already riled up, you know, on a, you know, level sexually, emotionally, you know, violence ensues. But yeah, the media look, is not portraying it as such because they know that if they did, they wouldn't garner the sympathy as what, you know, as per, you know, by, versus what, you know, what is trying to be implanted in, in the minds of society. Well, you know, Anthony, stepping even beyond that, the issue of suicide comes up a lot, that if society doesn't accept this, um, the suicide rate is high. And there's actually been plenty of studies out there that uh, this, regardless of where one lives in this country, uh, regardless of that area's levels of acceptance, the suicide rate is largely the same. And you have these sympathetic uh, media narratives out there. And in large part, you have to understand that's what's happened is that the media has embraced intersectionality. It is part of postmodern theory uh, related to justice issues. Intersectionality means that um, people have characteristics. Those characteristics define who the person is. And by the way, they say that these are immutable characteristics, and yet the trans community itself says there are no immutable characteristics, which is somewhat funny. Uh, but if you're white, male, Christian, don't have a disability, are cisgender, that is your, your gender and your sex align, you're heterosexual, uh, you are considered the most oppressive member of society. If you're none of those things, you're the most oppressed. The oppressed people have a moral authority that the oppressor does not have, and the media must take the side of the oppressed against the oppressor in order to show what is actual truth. To derive real truth, you must see the world through the eyes of the oppressed because they are the only ones who have the moral clarity to be able to tell you what's going on in the world. That's what intersectionality is all about. It is deeply corrosive to the environment of our society. When we come back, if you don't believe me, I'm going to play you a KGB agent. Hi there. It is me. It's Eric Erickson. I hope you're well. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, I'm going to deviate from where I was headed with the show. My, my buddy Leland Vitter sent me a link uh, to Ben Carlson was an editor at The Atlantic uh, and a 
writer about China. He's now at uh, Americans for Prosperity, a group I've got a relationship with. And he's put up these videos. These, this is from 1984. We were in an analog world. The Internet did not exist. You had ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, and CNN was about it for the big news networks. Um, and a, a cable television was rolling out across the country. People subscribed to their newspapers on a daily basis. This is a KGB agent. He was involved in psychological warfare. And he's giving this interview. I want you to hear these clips of this interview from 1984, uh, and you will be struck by how it sounds like right now. Ideological subversion is, is the slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually, it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would would even dream of such a tremendous success most of it is done by americans to americans thanks to lack of moral standards as i mentioned before uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore a person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information the facts tell nothing to him uh, even if i shower him with information with with authentic proof with documents with pictures even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. The tragic situation of demoralization. 85% of KGB actions during the Cold War weren't spying, but ideological warfare. The aim was to change our American perception of reality so that no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. A person who is demoralized is unable to assess true information. Now, after you've gone through demoralization, you go through destabilization. What is destabilization? The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, 
it's what what matters is essentials economy foreign relations defense systems uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy uh, the uh, influence of marxist leninist ideas in the united states is absolutely fantastic i, I could never believe it 14 years ago when i landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. And then you get to crisis and normalization. A weakened society is brought to crisis, causing a violent change of power structure and economy. A dictator who makes grandiose promises can be installed to bring things back to normal. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. Again, this was 1984. Now, Bezmanov, that's his name, he's a KGB defector. He warned that demoralization of the United States was nearly fulfilled after the final crisis, any of those people who helped in the subversion would be no longer useful and would be lined up against the wall. Your leftists in the United States, all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders, they are instrumental in the process of the, of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation. When their job is completed, they are not, they are not needed anymore. They know too much. Some of them when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Lenin has come to power, the, obviously they get offended. They think that they will come to power. That will never happen, of course. They will be lined up against the wall and shot. Now, he died in Canada in 1993 under an assumed name, hiding from the KGB that still wanted to kill him. He did occasional interviews. He was well ahead of his time. Uh, what he predicted really didn't come to bear in the 1980s, but we see more and more how so many people on the left essentially have embraced these things, and we're now in a postmodern society, and it's probably time for me to review this again. Given what's happening, whether it's it's the coverage of, of guns or the coverage of transgenderism or the coverage of so much stuff in society right now, people use the phrase postmodernism, and it was a very long time before I understood it, it was actually Tim Keller, uh, the pastor theologian who really helped me understand what postmodernism is. People use the phrase, a lot of people use the phrase and they don't really even know what it is. So we used to be in a period in this country called modernism. And in modernism, you had the idea that there was something that was true, that we put a man on the moon and it is true. And if you built a rocket and you went to the moon, you would be able to see that we had been on the moon. But over time, we embraced postmodernism, and postmodernism means there's no 
objective truth anymore. Everything is subjective. So if you don't believe we landed on the moon, it doesn't matter what the facts and the evidence say. You don't have to believe we landed on the moon. And if I do, well, that's my truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. What is important is in postmodernism, the truth doesn't exist anymore. And the way we get to your truth and my truth is to dwell on the exceptions. And the exceptions become the reality, and the reality becomes the exceptions. So, for example, in biology, there are mutations that cause um, intersex characteristics in people. An intersex characteristic in a person means they may have male and female genitalia. I had a cousin when I was a kid who had this phenomenon. Um, uh, But intersex people still have dominant characteristics, and in this case, my cousin uh, was uh, dominantly female and married, but clearly had a deep voice, shorter, um, had to have surgeries as a child, um, but we had uh, intersex characteristics. And what people on the left say is because there are people who are intersex, therefore that is the rule, and we can pick and choose whether we're male or female. You see this with discussions of police around the country. There are bad police officers in the country. Uh, It is the truth that most police officers in this country want to help, they want to serve, they want to protect, and they are good people. But uh, in the left's idea where the exception becomes the rule, bad police officers who are the exception, they become the rule. Good police officers become the exception. And so the left's truth is that the police are bad and should be defunded, and they don't care about your truth. Now, whose truth reigns supreme is important. As I mentioned earlier, the truth that becomes dominant is the truth of the intersectional class of victim, not international, but intersectional. Uh, People are divided into characteristics, and you cannot change those characteristics. They are immutable characteristics. What is deeply ironic here and shows you one of the flaws of this is that the left embraces the idea of immutable characteristics in intersectionality, but then says that something like uh, your biological sex doesn't exist and is, in fact, not immutable. I played you that professor earlier. So what they mean is that if you are white, you can't change your whiteness. If you are cisgender, that means your your identity as being a male aligns to your actual biologically being a male. You can't change that. You're cisgender male, and you are actually physically a male, and you are heterosexual, and you are a Christian. You, my friend, are considered the dominant oppressor in society. Whatever is not those things is considered oppressed. And the further removed from that you are, the more you are uh, oppressed. So if you're a white, male, cisgendered, but homosexual instead of heterosexual, you're more oppressed than the heterosexual. If you are white, female, cisgendered, heterosexual, you're more oppressed than the white male. If you are black, female, lesbian, Muslim, with a disability, you are hyper-oppressed. And you have more morality than the oppressor. And therefore, you must be listened to and your truth must be elevated to get above what they call the dominant discourse. The dominant discourse is whatever the most oppressive class of people say. That's why they say the media is run by white men. It's why they oppose the idea of objectivity in the media because a white men champion objectivity. Therefore, it's a way for white men to control things. So we must now become subjective. 
Uh, it's why and Nicole Hannah-Jones can lie about American history and be given credibility by people because she is a uh, black female who says a truth not of the dominant discourse. And the way you up in the dominant discourse, you subvert it, which means you have to silence people. In postmodernism, free speech is anathema because they believe that the white, cisgendered, heterosexual male Christian created academic freedom and freedom of the press in order to preserve his dominance. And so academic freedom must give way to academic controls. Free speech must give way to speech controls in order for the oppressed to be dominant over the oppressor. And what they claim is that once the oppressed rise to the level of the oppressor, we will have peace and justice in the world, which you and I both know isn't true. And why won't the oppressed suddenly become the oppressor? Well, postmodernists on the left say, well, just because they won't. They, they will have lived an oppressed life and wouldn't want to do that to others. And yet we see in the real world that's not true. And so what happens is they have to cover those instances up in the press of those intersectional characteristic people becoming abusive or oppressive. You're not allowed to cover those in the press because if you do, it subverts the idea that when you subvert the dominant paradigm, we have peace in our times. No, the heck we do not, which just perpetuates postmodern theory and intersectionalism is not compatible with truth and reason. It's all based on emotion. You hear it in the vocabulary. I fall into this trap often myself where I say I feel like instead of I think. You do it too. You feel instead of you think. You hear people say all the time, my truth is. I don't care what your truth and feelings are. I care about the truth and what you're actually thinking. But in our society right now, those roles are reversed, and the American press is inculcated with this. It's indoctrinated into this, and we see this played out. This guy, this KGB agent, all those years ago predicted something like this would happen. He was ahead of his time. He couldn't foresee the Internet, and now it's escalating, and it is now us doing it to ourselves. It really isn't China. It isn't Russia. It is us. It is the left that has been been incubated like cicadas in our schools for a very long time, suddenly rising up, trying to indoctrinate this generation. The best thing you can do for your child right now is pull your child out of those schools. Even if you've got a homeschool, get them out of that indoctrination system and teach them the ways of what it means to be an American, to be proud of their country. Now, I want to talk about Advantage Gold because you're pulling your kids out of school, you're teaching your kids, you're getting them out of indoctrination. A lot of you are self-starters when it comes to managing your own investments. You don't rely on other people. For those who do, you may be thinking about precious metals. You should call Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. With all the geopolitical turmoil out there, the hyper-volatile stock market, the inflation situation out there, you don't have to sit by helplessly. You have opportunities to invest in precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, you name it. Advantage Gold can answer your questions. 800-450-2566. Their trust links, highest, uh, number one highest rated Gold Company, seven years in a row. They answer your questions. They play it straight. There's no hard push. They will give you a free gold IRA investment kit. If you're interested in using gold or silver for your IRA, your 401k, your general investment strategies, let Advantage Gold help you. 800-450-2566. That's 800-450-2566. If you want to see those clips of the KGB agent, you need to subscribe to the email. And to subscribe to the email, all you have to do is text the word DATA to 33777 and click the link. Um, Make it easy for you today. 
Y'all, I, I got a, just a side story for you. I am that dad. So my kid had a soccer game yesterday. And he came home complaining, worn out, was hot. He's like, ah, you just got hot. And he said, no, I, I don't feel good. He's been complaining about his ears, but he hadn't in a few days complained about his ears. And then suddenly last night, oh, I don't feel good. I just don't feel good. Well, what's wrong with you? Oh, no. Where do you hurt? No, no. Ah, I had a lot of work to do. And finally, he stood up and just bloop, could barely stand up. I was like, all right, maybe there's something wrong, hypochondriac. Took him to the doctor. Oh, I felt so bad. Yep, major ear infection in both ears. Um, didn't have fever, didn't really have a sore throat. He had had some nosebleeds, which when I was his age, I got nosebleeds all the time. Uh, he usually gets them for sinus infection. They're like, yep, he might have a sinus infection, but he's definitely got ear infection in both ears. It's like, oh, goodness. So finally got him home really late last night um, from the after-hours pediatrician. Got him in bed, and then, you know, my feet, I've been telling you, got plantar fasciitis, and I just, it, they hurt. My feet constantly hurt whether I'm sitting, whether I'm standing. And I finally decided I'd go to the orthopedist today, and they x-rayed, and they're like, no, you don't have plantar fasciitis. You've got a bone spur, and it's got a crack in it. It's like, oh, great. That's why I'm hurting so bad, like nonstop pain. Um, they've got me in like a, a some sort of thing around my heel, all sorts of cushion. They told me I didn't need to be in a boot. Um, but I got to take steroids and, and pain medicine and can't take the pain medicine while I'm on radio, so... I just sit here in a little bit of agony and like, <laughs> when it rains and pours, the Erickson household, we're all officially falling apart this week, ready for the weekend already. Goodness gracious. I look, I, my, my feet have been hurting for about a month. I, you know, it's, it's as all bad stories go, it's, it begins in CrossFit and I was jumping rope and I just felt something and it hurt like, well, it hurt, but it slowly seemed to get better until I went to the master's and slipped in the mud going up the, the 18th hole, walking that hill at the Masters, and it felt like someone shoved razor blades uh, in my heels and has not been right ever since. Nope, now I know why. Uh, actual physical damage. <laughs> Just, we're falling apart. I'm ready for the weekend. We all need a break. When we come back, 2024 heats up. Tim Scott decides he's forming an exploratory committee. I've got the audio and the video and so much more.